The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. A few short years ago, a new magazine burst onto the wedding scene that quickly became a byword for an entire trend it tracks. Together Journal went from launch to being in some of the biggest outlets in the United States in less than a year, picking up 300 doors at Barnes & Noble and upmarket department store Anthropology in less time than it takes to organise many weddings. The journal captures a feeling with their style of photography and wedding becoming a calling card for a modern affair, showcasing diversity and an Instagram-friendly colour palette with lots of men's ankles, beautiful landscapes, round glasses and beards amongst jars, candles and flowers. Like Kinfolk, it's an antidote to a throwaway time, a special magazine to be savoured like a book, and for many, getting their wedding into the pages or onto the social feeds has become a goal. It might then surprise you that the person behind this mag was not a long-time magazine or publishing professional or even that long in the wedding world. Greta Kenyon hailed from fashion, and in taking time out from that successful career to have family, took to wedding photography and saw a gap for something special. In a world of declining print, she's growing it all over the world. To talk the story, what it takes, and where next, Greta joins us now. Good morning, Morena. Morning, how are you? Uh, Very well, thank you for joining us today. Hey, so tell us a little bit about that background in fashion prior to starting the magazine. What what kind of... Uh, busy world were you living in? Um, I'm, I've got a marketing background and I was working as a brand manager for high street stores. I worked for Easy Buy and Stacks um, for a total of about eight years. And there was a lot of travel and a lot of project management as well. And it's interesting, I can actually see a lot of similarities in the fashion world when I compare it to the magazine world in terms of putting a range down, producing it, moving on to the next one. It's like creating an issue and moving on to the next one. Wow, that that yeah, the cyclical, the seasons, the, the hunt for the new, uh, making lots of content. Yes, always making lots of content, always moving on to the next issue, always thinking in advance, living in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and and from that career, and they're very highly sought after those roles in fashion to be a buyer and to be yeah. uh, travelling around. Yes, I was working in finance and IT and was headhunted by a recruitment consultant to go into fashion. Um, And I hadn't worked in fashion before. I did have a very strong knowledge of garment construction. My mother was a dressmaker, and I used to make dresses to get myself through 
um, art school. I went to art school and studied photography and graphics and design. So I had a hands-on knowledge of garment construction and fabrics, but I'd actually worked in finance and IT for the years previous to that. So it was it was quite a jump, but um, it it worked. And then when you took time out to uh, have family, mm. I imagine that, you know, um, going on buying trips around the world and um, having to do whatever it takes to get a collection through, uh, that's not something that fits into a flexible no, work week. Not, yeah, it's not very compatible with two babies. I um, And I had my first two children very close together. I was always planning to have several. I've got three children, but... Um, I have two sons who are 16 months apart and I actually went back to my job and within three months I was pregnant again. So I had to go, you know, tell my boss I'm back, but I'm going on maternity leave again soon. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, travelling around the world with two babies, um, trying to put ranges together is very difficult. So I left my job and then the, the timing was so that a lot of my friends were getting married and they knew that I knew how to shoot. I'd always shot in the background and friends started asking me to shoot their weddings And it just kind of snowballed from there. And so that kind of look and feel that Together Journal is very well known from comes very much from the photography style that you were doing, a a new and modern and, um, you you know, beautiful colour palette and kind of restrained, uh, nice staging kind of style. Were you doing that for your friends? I was, but I think timing is everything. And especially so in Australasia, Um, the photographers were shooting very differently to other wedding photographers in the world. We have a very um, documentary type of a wedding style. Um, They almost shoot like, or we almost shoot like press photographers. None of the kind of cheesy staged wedding shots that you've typically seen in the past. It was more different lenses, um, different angles, and and more sitting back and documenting a wedding day and and how it happens naturally rather than trying to direct it and and curate it and be too cheesy. Yeah, and thinking of all those lovely photos of long tables of people all smiling as the speeches happen and 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 the candles twinkling along. Into the background and and letting things happen and capturing them as as they do happen naturally. And so as you were creating these, um, these, these beautiful images for your friends, what led you to think, in a, um, I imagine, um, you, you know, what year was this that you started? Uh, when my son was, my son's 10 now, so about eight or nine years ago. So I imagine, you know, 2010-ish, um, the whole world would have been talking how print media is dead, how it's all declining, how yeah. everything's um, going to, to hell in a handbasket there. Yeah. And, and what led you with two small children to think, I know what, a magazine. Oh, I had three small children. Three small children yeah, by then. So yeah. That, yeah, so I started shooting eight or nine years ago, but the magazine was launched just over two and mm. a half years ago. I think because I have a marketing background and I was always really conscious of where my work was going so that I could attract more clients that were similar to me. I didn't want to shoot traditional conservative weddings. I wanted to shoot creative people's weddings who were modern, and I just don't think those people were reading the existing wedding magazines and the existing we- wedding magazines didn't suit the style of work that I was doing or wanted to do. And and even blogs, it was very difficult to find a modern creative blog where I would have felt proud to have my type of work. And I noticed that my colleagues were feeling the same way. Um, and I looked at other sectors um, in the magazine industry. And there are beautiful home magazines, there are beautiful food magazines, gorgeous lifestyle magazines. And the design was very modern and they and the, they those industries were evolving rapidly. But for me, a lot of the wedding magazines that were out, they, they looked the same as when I was married ten years ago. Yeah. And I just thought that I just saw there was a gap for something beautiful and modern and different. 
And of course, there were great print magazines who are growing. In any environment, there's always people who are growing when other things are shrinking. Absolutely. Like like Kinfolk, who you work for. Yes. So I was um, lucky enough. I, I did a mix of lifestyle, editorial and wedding photography. Um, so wedding was probably only about a third of the type of the work that I was doing. And I was lucky enough to make a connection with Kinfolk magazine, I think because I ended up submitting a food shoot to them. And they came back and they said, we're actually looking for somebody in New Zealand. When they first launched globally, they um, ran a series of global workshops and events where they pushed out the same workshop and event um, in many different countries and they had people managing them. So with a friend of mine who is a stylist, we um, conducted the Kinfolk workshops and events and we became quite friendly with them. They were quite a small team back then. They'd only been around for a year or two. And they definitely inspired me. Like I saw their magazine, you know, as a lifestyle magazine, and how they had approached um, creating a global publication, how they had buy-in from a lot of their contributors, and they just seemed to operate quite differently than other businesses and magazines. They were very open, and I actually talked to them about um, a wedding magazine and it going global and what they thought, and they were really helpful. Um, they, I even showed them some of my design, and they gave me some contacts in America. Um, they were always there to ask questions to about distribution, so I was very lucky. And, they, yeah, they definitely inspired me, and they were a small group of creative people who were independent and you know just did it and I think that that had a big impact on on me and what I did that that's so cool because you know re- reading or following that publication you get the feeling like they'd be good people and it's nice yeah, it's they nice are. <laughs> yeah they it's are. nice that they they were there to um to, to, to lend uh, some advice and support on the way. Yeah, I think I was lucky too. They were very much in startup when I had most of my contact with them. I mean, they're, they're enormous now. <laughs> and, so. and, you know, and although there were people like Kinfolk who you were working with who were making magazines that kind of lasted, that maybe were closer to a coffee table book than a, um, you know, advertising-filled monthly next kind of, um, not, not saying next the magazine, but yeah. next move on to the next thing kind of thing. Um but did people, when you said, I'm going to start a magazine, what was the response? Were people supportive or did they tell you were bananas? Uh, um, pretty much they told me I was bananas. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, print is dead, you know, what are you doing, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, ov- obviously I think mainstream media was hugely and is hugely affected by digital um, platforms and digital media. But I think if you have something beautiful where the content is not fast and doesn't need to turn over really, really quickly, something that's collectible and something that's different and niche, then you can survive and thrive. Tell me about how you got it up and going. That kind of story of launching a magazine and within a year having it at 300 Barnes and & Nobles and at Anthropology, which is a beautiful edit um, yeah. uh, department store in the States for anyone that, who doesn't know it. I mean, th- those are kind of dream uh, results. Yeah. Well, I think timing. Timing is everything with business. I was very lucky. And the, the way I started was I, I think my husband got sick of me going on and on about it. And he was like, would you just hurry up and do it before somebody else does? Mm-hmm. And he was, and I was kind of like, he's right. Somebody else will do it. Like the gap is right there. I know it exists. Um, I've talked to the contributors who want to be there. Um, and I decided to go into the ice house. So I went into the ice house and paid for a mentor. I got a grant as well from ATED. And that was probably the best thing that I did. I still use my mentor who I launched with. And he is a little bit like me. He is, you know, let's just get it to market, test it, let's be quick, let's just not muck around. So he told me to name who my absolute top clients would be to advertise in the magazine. 
and it was Murray Crane, Zoe and Morgan, Karen Walker, and then Natalie Chan from Brido. And he said, okay, great. What you need to do is just get a meeting with these guys. I didn't know them from a bar of soap. And um, I had a designer who had been recommended to me by a good friend. Um, another mentor I had was a friend, Fraser, who um, used to run No Magazine and work at Pavement. He's, he helped me a lot as well. So he um, referred my designer to me and we put our concepts together. We designed the cover and we did a few pages and I had a lot of content because I had a lot of friends who were wedding photographers. So we used a lot of beautiful content. And I just made meetings with these four people and rocked up and held up my pieces of paper and sold them the concept and they actually all came on board. And I remember having a meeting with my mentor afterwards and I was like, well, you know, they've all come on board. And he was kind of like, oh, you're kidding me. I thought that, that was like the A-level. We were going to like go down and try some other people because I didn't think you'd be able to get them all on board. So I was really lucky and, and we basically said, well, you've got your advertisers and um, we looked at the timelines and I think it was July and we really knew that we wanted to have a timeline where we had a magazine starting in, in January, but we thought we wanted to get an issue out before that. So it was July and we managed to get a, our first issue out in October. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and so the demand was there very much on the um, the advertiser side. And yes. how, how about the, the, the readers? So how do you go from... Um, you know, a, an idea that no one knows about, really, to having a magazine with such a following um, so quickly. Instagram has been fantastic for us, um, and we're lucky because we've got so much beautiful content. So that platform is so perfect for us in terms of just being able to show that beautiful visual content. Um, I immediately had a, a meeting with Gordon and Gotch, who um, were one of two distributors at the time, but now are pretty much the only distributor in New Zealand because they merged with Netlink. So we got on board with them and they take care of the distribution throughout supermarkets and bookstores. So the coverage that they gave us on shelf obviously got our brand name out there. And then because we were low budget and small, we relied purely on Instagram um, and Facebook. Um, and it just took off on social media and we were so lucky. We were planning to go into Australia first and we thought we'd do that through um, Gordon and Gotch because we were with them in New Zealand. And timing wasn't great for us in in Australia because of Gordon and Gotch and Netlink going through a merge and we actually had to wait for them to do their, their merge and their restructure so they just put a blanket on taking on any new publications which was really disappointing and we had to kind of wait I think about nine months before they would even look at getting other publications on board. But in the meantime <laughs> I had a phone call from somebody with a very strong American accent and I actually thought it was a friend playing a playing a joke. <laughs> so it was a woman who rang and said that she was the homeware buyer for anthropology. And I was like, this is really quite funny. Who's doing this? Luckily, I was at my computer and I typed her name into LinkedIn and was like, oh, my God, it is actually the homeware buyer for anthropology. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to believe yeah, that yeah, accent. Yeah, totally. It was like a lazy Tuesday morning, you know, at my desk. And I was like, oh, who's this? One of my mates just kind of winding me up. But yeah, I did. I typed a name into LinkedIn and I was like, oh my God, it is the homeware buyer from Anthropology. And I basically said yes to everything she asked for. <laughs> she was like, you know, we've, we've found you on Instagram. We, and they actually did order. And we used to get a lot of orders online um, for the States or whatever. And if I do think about it, I probably did notice that there was, a, you know, a bunch of magazines going out to Anthropology. But I just assumed it was someone that worked there that was getting married or somebody who had been at one of the weddings that we had already featured. I didn't actually think it was them wanting to have a look at the publication to decide if they would want to order it. Um, 
And apparently they do have like a bunch of people at Anthropology who just look all around the world for cool, new, interesting, different things and, you know, look for things to stock. So she asked if they could stock it and, you know, could I get it here to them really quickly? And I just said, yes, 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 to everything on the phone and then kind of got off the phone and went, oh my gosh, how am I going to make this happen? Do I even have enough stock? How long does it take to get it to the States? Uh, rang my mentor immediately and we just made it happen. Um, you know, we probably paid far too much to freight, air freight it to get it out there. Um, we had to quickly reprint some stock, but whatever it took, we just got it. We just stuck to what we said we were going to do and, and got it out there for them. And so does landing, you know, there's that famous thing in New Zealand where someone, uh, once they succeed internationally, get accepted here. Um, did being able to say, we're in anthropology, <laughs> did that did that de- help you here? Yeah, it definitely helped. We got quite a lot of um, media after that. Um, the Herald ran a couple of articles, um, as did a few online platforms. And me being quite green and quite naive as well, um, I thought, well, if anthropology want us, surely Barnes & Noble will want us. And and I could just, you know, I remember from, I've travelled in the States quite a lot, especially with being in the fashion industry. And I always remember, I loved Barnes & Noble. They were the biggest bookshop. I thought, well, I'm just going to ring them. So I picked up the phone and I said, you know, I've got this wedding magazine and they didn't really want to talk to me me and I said well you know anthropology is stocking it and they were like oh hold on a minute and every six months they take on a new publication and they were two weeks away from their review uh, meeting to see what publications they would take on so they said can you you know FedEx some out to us so I FedExed the last three issues or whatever out to Barnes and Noble and they reviewed it and came back and they said yep we want to we want to stock you for three years we're sending out all the contracts which were absolutely overwhelming when they arrived the legal contracts for the distribution agreement and we looked through them with lawyers and my mentor and we signed on for three years. Wow a three-year contract because often also you know like getting a big international stockist for a business from New Zealand, there's no guarantee that it continues or the first order will continue on. But a three-year deal is fantastic. Yeah, so we were over the moon. And that, that definitely, I think, helped with credibility, establishing myself here and, and in Australia as well. Once we had you know, that information and we were able to tell Australian people and advertisers actually that we were in America because a lot of, well, I mean, a lot of New Zealand brands as well want to get their product into America, especially a lot of bridal brands like bridal designers. um, They want to sell their garments in America. So the fact that we are there is very appealing to them. With that content and also the advertising mix, had you from day one, like like you'd said, you'd always had a, a global idea to it, had you been careful from day one to make sure that, because um, when I when I think about the magazine, I think of it being very coherent, like mm-hmm. um, the style of the photography and the design and the advertising is all kind of of a of a lock, you know, together, which yep, is absolutely. like very strongly edited. And um, you know, were you very careful to create something? that you felt could travel internationally, even though it came from little old New Zealand. And I think, again, I'm very, very lucky. Um, New Zealand and Australia, I think, have been leading the kind of indie wedding trends, especially in photography, but also in, in dress design and styling. We have quite a unique aesthetic. Also, the locations are very um, desirable and popular as well. So you've got all these really great kind of hipster weddings um, with a quite modern, fashionable garments, um, beautiful styling and florals, very non-traditional set in these gorgeous locations, which really appeal internationally. Yeah, Wool sheds and yeah, beaches, totally. and yeah, yeah, yeah. But not just Walking that. through forests, yeah. So, yeah. And the photographers, the New Zealand and Australian photographers, are in such high demand. So many of them spend the New Zealand summer here, and then they will go to the Northern Hemisphere and shoot. So all across yeah. the states, they'll shoot all through Europe, and. 
after you know shooting weddings for eight to nine years and, and traveling a lot to do so, I've got a lot of really great friends who are contributors. So I was getting a lot of their content. So a New Zealand photographer would give me an Italian wedding or a French wedding or an American wedding. Um, but I've also got um, contributors who are Americans or Europeans. So we always had international weddings in the magazine um, right from day one um, because we wanted to be global. When you mentioned just then about the uh, having to deal with the distribution agreement and some pretty intense lawyering quite early in the journal, uh, the the journey. I mean, there's so many things. Even if you have had a successful background in um, in fashion, and also, I wonder how helpful it was to have the IT and finance side to to bang that together, yeah. because the number of hats you have to wear to go from. Um, even just producing uh, a magazine through to advertising, through to yeah. growth rates, through to lawyering, through yeah. to international logistics. I mean, it's a, it's a huge task. What, what did you have to add along the way? I was really lucky. My I've got a really unusual background when it comes to my career. I went to art school and studied photography and graphics and design and then went to London like a lot of Kiwis do. And when I went to London, New Zealanders had a great reputation. I had good computer skills at a time when not many people did have great computer skills. And I ended up working for Merrill Lynch for two years right. and they sponsored me. So I ended up going to art school and then working in investment banking. Oh, st- standard route, <laughs> yeah. Standard <laughs> route. Yeah. And then um, the agency that I worked through Parker Bridge Financial Recruitment when I was going back to New Zealand they were opening up so they actually asked me to come on board and I did a start up with them in Auckland and I did a start up with them in Dublin and um, Ireland as well and then I came back and ended up working in software and doing a start up so Together Journal is actually my third start up so I'm very used to rolling up my sleeves I'm very used to jumping across different areas of a business I think marketing is definitely my strength but I actually really enjoy the analysis I enjoy the software side I enjoy the I even enjoy the accounting side which I never thought that I would say um, so I'm one of these people who enjoys the creative side just as much as the business side yeah, I've seen um, it, you mention in interviews about how important systems are um, as um, well. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, t- tell me about you know h- h- the mix of software that you use and how that helps you do what you have to do. Yeah, so I um, one of the reasons why, well, I mean, I just love software, but also my team is very spread out. My designer is now based in Australia. Um, my web guy is based in South America. I've got staff in Tauranga. I've got staff in Auckland. I've got staff in the South Island. So everything has to be um, on software that's in a cloud that we can all access. So my client, I use Capture for my client system. I use Quotient. I use Zero. I use Schedulegram. Um, Creative Cloud for all of my Adobe software. I mean, there must be about 10 online systems that I use. And everything is on my phone too. Like I can, you know, all of those apps are on my phone. I can look at anything that I need to look at. Um, I just really, really love systems. I feel like I'm in control when I've got my systems. I feel like any of my staff members can, you know, jump on and look at anything. It's it's real time. Um, we even design um, with my designer in Melbourne. Like we'll make tweaks um, live online. You know, it's we're very, very pro systems. Yeah, the the magic of like a truly global yeah. magazine and a truly global structure to it. Yeah, and about the design there, like it has been. You know, um, just my opinion, it has been very influential. Uh, I think about um, friends of mine um, from Office Life. You know, they would say, you know, I want my wedding to have a real together journal feeling. Yeah, you know? it's, like it's, it's become a theme and a, a style. Yeah, I think it was already there, but I kind of harnessed it and brought it all together. It was already happening um, throughout many industries, throughout photography, fashion, styling, floral. And it just, I managed to kind of put a ring around it and... Um, 
kind of bring it all together, I guess, and then get it out into the public eye as well. How does that feel to kind of have, um, you know, uh, have kind of a special role in people's planning for a day that can be very big in their lives and, and to kind of, you know, maybe someone sends you an email that says, I love the magazine and so this is my wedding and then you feature it and make yep. their make their day. Yeah, we get that a lot and it's it's really flattering and it's really wonderful to see. I think you have to be quite responsible as well. Like I do get a lot of people contacting me prior to their weddings and saying, we want to be in the magazine, what do we need to do? I will never ever, regardless of who the person is, commit to a wedding before it's actually happened and I don't want to... Um, tell them to do anything a certain way. I will say, you go and do, yeah, you know, by all means, have a look at the magazine. So happy that I'm inspiring you. But go away and do your wedding how you would normally have done your wedding. And then please do submit it afterwards. But I would never say to someone, well, okay, before you get married, you have to do X, Y, and Z to make sure you get in the magazine. It's, you know, we don't want to be um, influencing them that much. We want them to be true to their own style and do what they would have done from their heart originally. It's quite genius business to have user-generated content when the users are spending, you know, probably, it's probably one of the biggest expenses and most carefully orchestrated events of their life just to get some photos. Yep. <laughs> and then they submit it to you. That, that's phenomenal. It's a great model in terms of gaining content. Um, we're very lucky. Um, and we're very lucky to have so many talented contributors that actually want to be in the magazine and that send it to us as well. Um, but it is win-win. The vendors and the photographers that submit, they get great exposure and they book more work from um, having their weddings featured in Together Journal. So it all kind of, what goes around comes around and it works really well. What are some favourites for you? Because there has always been a real commitment to uh, to diversity in the magazine. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's one of our main objectives, to be diverse and to not try and show the same kinds of weddings. We want to have different cultures, we want to have different genders, different locations and different budgets. And it's interesting, for me, often the weddings that are my favourites are probably the low budget ones um, because everything's kind of stripped away and you see the true essence of the day. Not saying that you don't see that in some of the bigger budget ones, but you know, for a backyard wedding where they might have only spent a couple of grand um, for it to be good enough to get into the magazine, it's all about authenticity really and seeing... Uh, the love shining through and the happiness and, and, you know, just the basicness of it is what kind of makes it beautiful. And around that idea of uh, different genders, mm -hmm. how's that gone around the world where maybe um, a wedding uh, magazine or a union magazine yeah. um, is not universally legal even? Yeah, well, definitely. I had to put a lot of thought into it. We launched in October 2015, so uh, just almost three years ago now. And same-sex marriage was not legal in Australia, um, nor is it, was it in all of the states in, in America. Um, so I was very conscious. Well, conscious, but also like it's almost my responsibility, I think, to show same-sex weddings and, and, and diversity in general in my magazine because if I keep doing this it will become more normalised and people will get used to the idea and you know not sadly not everyone thinks like you or I do but we can help kind of change their minds. So issue one um, right right from issue one we had same-sex weddings in the magazine and we've tried to have same-sex weddings in every issue unfortunately I think there's been like two or three where we just haven't been able to get the content even though we've tried really hard um, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I, you know, there are certain things that I want in each issue and that's cultural diversity, that's, you know, mixed gender weddings, um, high budget, low budget, different locations, etc. So we've always had uh, same sex weddings in the magazine and I'm 
very excited. You guys are the first ones to know about this. We have our first same-sex cover coming up in the next issue, which I'm hugely excited about. Um, the wedding is beautiful. It ticks all the boxes for a cover for me. And I kind of think, you know, they deserve to be on the cover. Whoever, whoever is on the cover deserves to be on the cover, regardless of their backgrounds. There are certain things that we look for in terms of um, the image being really emotive and making you feel something. Um, obviously, Together Journal has an aesthetic. It needs to, you know, suit the aesthetic styling-wise. Um, and, you know, this wedding ticked all the boxes and it's really beautiful and I can't wait for it to come out. That's so cool. And if I think about, you know, what's in my head about traditional wedding magazines, uh, it feels very innovative from that as well. Yeah. Or like a real a real different place to... Um, you know, to be reflecting what's actually happening in the world rather yeah. than like a staged shoot. I'm really, I mean, I've wanted to do it for a long time, but we just haven't, you know, you've got to have, we have to have the right wedding on the cover to yeah. sell the magazine. Obviously, it's a yeah. commercial business. Um, and to my knowledge, with the research I've done, I, I don't know of another mainstream wedding magazine in New Zealand or Australia that have had a same-sex wedding on the cover to date. Um, I, I might be wrong, but I can't in my searches find anything. Um, so I'm just, I'm really excited about getting it out there, especially given that Australia has only recently passed the same sex law. Um, you know, we want these weddings and these images to be normal, normalised kind of um, images that people don't think twice about. And I think this is a step towards becoming that way. That's so cool. And having, having you, you know, um, quite a remarkable journey of um, of growth with this magazine after everyone starting out and telling you, you know, print was dead and uh, yeah. and all, all the rest. What advice do you have for people with a, uh, you know, wanting to start something? I think you have to be prepared. I think um, I had no idea how much this business or magazine would take over my life. And I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got a very supportive husband who has, um, you know, we've got three young children who has, you know, been done the job of both parents many times. Um but be, be kind of, first of all, make sure that you're so passionate about the idea that you really love it, that you're going to, you know, jump out of bed every morning and be happy to do it, but also be prepared for it to take you over. Um, you have to have a lot of grit to start a new business. Um, it, it's really, really hard. Um, I work 24-7 quite, quite often, um, but I love what I do and I love the traction that we're getting and I love that I represent so many different people and, you know, I'm hungry for it. So just make sure that you are really hungry for it and prepared to give it everything you've got. And, you know, with your third startup now mm. and, um, you know, having had success in career before, how do you define success? What, what, what looks like success for you? Well, I think it's just going back to what I said. For me, I'm obviously the venture has to be commercially viable. Otherwise, it's just a very time-consuming, expensive hobby, <laughs> um, which is not ideal when you've got a family and you know a, a life to live. So for me, I want something that works commercially, but I'm still really excited by, that I still love to do. And for me as well, I love working with dynamic, creative people. And I'm so lucky. We, I have got a, I've got a very small team, but, a, but an amazing team of really diverse, creative people. And I also get to work with so many different contributors, every issue. And that really excites me. And we kind of bounce off each other. And I feel really um, inspired by them. And I learn a lot every issue from different people. So I think working with great people, making an impact on an industry um, and also doing something that I can fit around my lifestyle as well. Like I'm a mum, I do work long hours, but if I want to go and pick the kids up from school, I can. You know, I can make that decision and leave the office and decide that I'm not going to work for the next three hours and I'll do it tonight. Or if I want to take time off during the school holidays, I can do that. And I'm starting to fit the business around my lifestyle a little bit more now as well. Like I need to travel for work, so I'm starting to bring the family along with me. 
Um, so just being able to fit it around my lifestyle and, and, and enjoy life a little bit more with the business as well. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Greta Kenyon from Together Journal for sharing your story today. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Alice Webb the Doll for producing and thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed today's chat, have a look at the back catalogue. There's more than 100 interviews with great New Zealand business people. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callaghan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.